Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle. What is good, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Life Enchanted. My name is Nick Carlisle, and I have the pleasure of being your host as we nerd out on all things faith, health, interesting, and optimizing. The goal here is to help you live a better life, my friends. Simple as that. And selfishly, it helps me as well as I am forced to rearticulate things and teach things to you guys and dive deep into content with guests who have valuable wisdom to share with the world. So it is a win-win for both of us. Praise God for the internet. A couple of things before we dive into today's episode. First, hit me up on Instagram, at nick.carlisle, that is. I am very active on there and would love to connect with you guys personally. Also, I encourage you to check out my website. That's www.mylifeenchanted.com. On there, you can inquire about my holistic life coaching services. You can check out the Truth Pack, which is a little something that's been tremendously helpful and valuable for me in my morning routine and in my pursuit to optimize my day. You can also check out some shirts and hoodies I designed. There's a free 25-page eating guide on there, a little PDF I developed. I'll put the link to all of that in the show notes below this episode. Lastly, and most importantly, please leave a rating and possibly write a review of Life Enchanted on whatever podcast platform you're using. I'm trying to grow this thing, and I need you guys to help me do that. You play an integral part there, so sharing any of my content on Instagram or any of these podcast episodes would be so much appreciated, and I will love you forever. But that's enough of the housekeeping items from me. Now let's dive into today's episode. Today's guest is my brother, Ryan Dewey. I've known Ryan for like 30 years now, y'all, which is an insane number for me to say out loud. I'm 33, by the way, so you can do the math there. But Ryan is just an awesome and interesting dude. He's the founder of Capital Floats and Float Biz Startup, which are two successful companies that uh, operate in the sensory deprivation world. He's also the co-founder of The Cold Plunge, which is basically an at-home ice bath that's super well-made, and it's currently taking the world by storm, as uh, we talk a lot about in this episode, which is super rad to see. But I just love this dude. He's got a beautiful heart, and I think you will enjoy this. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Ryan Dewey. Ryan, what's up, dude? My brother. Good to be here. Dude, thanks for coming, man. I appreciate it. It's good to see you. So I thought we could start with a little bit about your journey, man, and just kind of familiarize yourself with the listeners who do not know your story. So you went to Cal Poly. What did you study at Cal Poly? I don't even know that. I ended up with a degree in international agribusiness management. <laughs> international agribusiness management. Okay, legit. Yep. And yep. then after that, you went to, you're, you've always been a big soccer guy. Yep. Grew up playing soccer. Yep. Loved it. And then you went and worked for the San Jose Earthquakes. Correct. And what were you doing there? I was doing um, sales. Just doing nice. different. We put on like big theme nights and ticket sales and 
um, yeah, worked my way up, started an entry-level ticket sales position. And how long were you there? How long did you do that job? About three years. Three years. And then you went into the entrepreneurial world, which is where I want to dive into a little bit. But first, I want to explore that like working in the corporate world, which seems like it was your dream job or could have been. Big soccer guy, like we said, go to work for the earthquakes. You're throwing parties for an MLS team. Um, and then you, you go off on your own and, and, and start this journey that you're still on today. That's been awesome for me to watch you do. And for, I mean, I'm assuming everyone who knows you to watch you do, because it's been this way and that way and ups and downs and it's been rad. So talk to me about exiting that corporate world and taking that risk and then pursuing what you felt called to pursue. Like what was going on there? What was the fear like? Let's walk through that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it was at that time a dream job. Um, I lived abroad prior to moving. I got so into soccer. I lived in Spain for two years. And so this was like, I moved back to the U S to get into soccer. So this was like a job that I chased down and took the entry level position. So it was, it was an incredible position. I loved it there. The, the culture was incredible. It was, you know, working for a pro team had made, made so many good connections. I was, I was good at it. So mm. I, I improved and I, got the promotions and did the thing. So it was a, it was a space that I loved. And then, like you said, to go, I, I left that pretty abruptly and just went to start capital floats. Um, what was stirring in you to do that? Like if, if you were good at it and it was a industry that you love, like what, what made you leave? I, I asked myself that a lot. Like what was it, the things that caused me to leave? And it was, clarity that I knew that I wanted to go floating became this practice that was transformative for my life. Mm. And soccer was great. It was fun. It was in community, but there was this another level of like what this was doing to me. And so I've always been into the depth of things. Yeah. And when I floated, it was my second float. And I remember I had this very clear transcendent like i call it a whisper that came over i was sitting in the front lobby and i want i loved sitting there i was in this new space if, if anyone that hasn't been to a float center it's a pretty fun environment it's very cool people very interesting and to me this is a whole new world and i was sitting there and i just was like i like it i want to be in this all the time mm. and a whisper came in it's like then go create it and i i was not entrepreneurial at heart like i didn't view myself that way i never thought oh i'm gonna own my own company or start my own thing that was not in my mm -hmm. thought process and it kind of jarred me mm -hmm. it was like whoa okay and i just sat with that and that was you know and then it took a year for me to i didn't really tell anyone about that mm. and then a year later um i felt ready but the what was stirring in me is i just wanted to sh like i knew what that was doing to me and how much i wanted to get that out to the world mm. like at scale like it was like if i could first be in for me personally be in this world every single day Mm -hmm. and none of my friends were doing this. And if mm -hmm. I could go create a place that like everyone I know could come do this, like that was so yeah. exhilarating and exciting to me. Yeah, that's sick. How, I mean, I'm sure when you were leaving, there was quite a bit of fear that existed of like fear of failure. What happens if I make the wrong decision or open up in the wrong area? What was your self-talk like that ultimately got you to the place of cap float sack, opening the doors and making it happen? Like what, what, what was going on inside of your head to help you get through that whole process? Cause there, there was a lot that occurred mm -hmm. in there. 
you know, when I actually left, I was so clear. Like fear was not a a major mm. factor in what I was dealing with. Because you felt so called. I felt so called. Mm. Um, and I, you know, that I know that that hasn't been for everything I've done in life, but like that moment in time when I started CAP was I was so clear. I knew my mission. I knew my I knew that I like it felt yeah, it felt like a calling to go open this facility. Yeah. Uh it it was I I'm in for adventure. I'm in for change. So it was like, this is pretty radical. Like this was back in 2015 when I left that job. Very few float centers were around. It was very new concept. So I liked, it was like, man, I'm going to, let's go, let's go, let's give this a whirl. So I wasn't afraid. The fear didn't really kick in till I kind of got into it. Hmm. Till I, I had left the job. I think I left with just enough confidence and a bit of arrogance mm. to be like, I can do this. If other people can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Then when I finally kind of came to in the scenario where it's I'm raising money, mm-hmm. I've quit my job, I'm now living in Sacramento, I don't have any money. Mm-hmm. The reality of it, it was that was when fear started to kick in mm. of like, is this gonna work? Oh my like all the yeah. the process that I went through. Got you. So like yeah. So how how did you navigate those waters? resilience Hmm. it was i had luckily i had some good people around me so i'm grateful this was my journey i had a good core of people that supported me or just encouraged me Mm -hmm. um and towards the end before we opened it was like the last three months of construction we were you know ran out of money didn't know i was driving to san francisco driving for 16 hours in lyft to try and make some money to get back and pay my rent and mm-hmm. you know then i was back in the construction zone working with the contractors and getting stuff it was just this it was just enduring like every night i would go to bed and i would cry mm-hmm. this happened a lot of times and yeah. i would just wake up and be like hey you're doing it again like yeah. and i would just rinse and repeat and there was a faith involved and I don't know where that came from mm-hmm. of just like, this will pass. Like mm-hmm. you will get through this. Mm-hmm. There was some windows that it was starting to get real challenging for me that I didn't like towards the end before we got open that it was like, is this, is this going to like, can I keep doing this? Mm-hmm. Like full on body was breaking down the whole thing. So it was, that was one of the, it was probably the roughest like three to four month stretch of my life. Like mm-hmm. during that construction period, um, but it was, I look back on it and I don't really, it's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, I don't know if it has to be that way for everyone to go through it mm-hmm. in launching, like launching a business or starting a project. It was, mm-hmm. that was how it went down for me. Yeah. And I would just put resilience as the, the single word. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. So after you got cap float sack going, you then extended cap floats Auburn, which is the one I go to, which is awesome. I love floating. It's, and then now you're you're in a whole new venture with cold plunge. Talk to me about transitioning from floats, float centers to now cold thermogenesis. <laughs> <laughs> it it's happened quick. Yeah. It was, this wasn't a thoroughly planned out endeavor of um yeah, so that we launched plunge about 14 months ago me and my co-founder Mike that was, it was another progression of everything that I've always started, 
whether it was soccer, you know, I played soccer. I loved it. It's like, how do I spread this? How do I get into this? Spread the, spread the beautiful game. That Mm -hmm. was like my mission. Yeah. Floating. Okay. I love floating. How do I spread floating? How do I get more people to do this? Mm. I fell in love with cold plunging. It was a big, I went through some health issues about three years ago. Cold plunging was a thing that I was doing, hitting the American river and, and, and a lot of Wim Hof breath work. So I Mm -hmm. found this world. And then when my buddy, Mike, you know, how it all happened was we had to shut our businesses down from COVID. Mm-hmm. This was back in 2020. He owned a few facilities in the Bay Area. I owned um, up in here in Sacramento. We shut down. He had just happened to move to Sacramento and we, he prototyped these units and he's got this beautiful engineering mind and he had, we had discussed to going in and, and launching this together. We didn't, we didn't envision was literally just doing the next thing in front of us. We were like, cool, let's yeah. email our, our email base from Cat Floats and he is from Reboot. Let's just email him and say, hey, we'll we'll sell 20 of these. Yeah. Like, that's how it started. Yeah. We emailed the community. We sold 20. And wow. it was like, okay, cool. Like, wow. We were just building them out of his garage. It's and then demand here. Demand. And then yeah. we, you know, we we very quickly saw no one ranked on Google in cold plunge. If you typed in cold plunge, it was actually like some sauna company that had bought the domain name that was going there. So we were like, Oh, if we just call we're called plunge is our name. And it's actually yeah. very confusing for a lot of people because no one knows what our name is, <laughs> but our domain name is the mm-hmm. And so within a month we're building out of his garage, we built a pretty slick website, but we were top ranking in Google. Dang. So if you typed cold plunge, it's Dude. like, so we looked like kind of a legit company. So we yeah. started getting sales from all over the country and oh, we're like, wow. Oh my God. Like, we okay, cool. Like we got to build these things. Yeah. And you know, then the ride just took off. We, you know, the first 20 that we did were all in Northern California. So we got to hand deliver to every customer, really understand where the vulnerabilities in the unit was. We didn't have to deal with the shipping dynamic and we just got to connect with each customer, set them up. Cool. And then, then we started to play the game of, okay, how do we get this out? Like we started to have to ship around the country. Yeah. That was a whole new dynamic. Mm -hmm. Um, so things are beefy. They're beefy. It's, a, it's they're, like it's, delivering a refrigerator. It's a freight. It's freight. Uh, freight direct. So we're, they're on a pallet, strapped on. Dang. Like it's a whole different process that you have to go through as opposed to like a ground express. Yeah. Um. So we, yeah, things just kind of blossomed. We, I remember we, Aubrey Marcus is an influencer. Was on Instagram one day getting his chest freezer, and we just like commented like, "Hey man, let us upgrade you." And he just was like, "Are you guys serious?" <laughs> We're is out that Aub- how that happened? And we're out at Aubrey's house two weeks later. And that oh was gosh, the crazy dude. story about that one is that was our first unit we ever shipped. Okay? No way. First unit we actually ever shipped. And the, the laundry list of caught, like airs is, is great. I mean, we yeah. bought, our boxes that we bought were like backwards. So like they were, <laughs> I, I can't explain it over. Yeah. But... We ship it out to Aubrey. It arrives in one piece. We're like, we just fly to Austin. <laughs> we go to set his up. And it's like, they're like, it works. It's yeah. good. Long story short, the next like five units that we shipped out had one part that just broke on oh. the ship. It was like a weakness in the unit that was fine if we hand delivered it. Yeah. But it didn't work out upon shipping. We ended up figuring that out. But long story short, we were so thankful that that one unit <laughs> landed good to Aubrey. Yeah. Dude. So we set Aubrey's unit up. He was awesome. You know, he. Yeah, talked about us. We ended up sponsoring his podcast. So yeah. that's when the whole like it just kind of blossomed into a few months later at Tony Hawk's house and setting his unit yeah, up dude. and Rich Roll and dude Dr. Rhonda Patrick and so it was it just kind of 
the whole thing's been like a, a roller coaster ride. Uh-huh. You know, we were in the garage. I remember one of the first 20 units we dropped off was to my buddy Jesse, who had bought one. We showed up, leaving his house. We decided to rent the back of his bike shop to move our rent. We started to build out of the back of his bike shop, <laughs> which was. We were draining the tubs in the sink and people are buying bikes. Like, what are you guys doing bathtubs back here for? And then we signed a lease that we thought was going to be home for the next three years. And we were moving out of that within three months. And so then... Just because you outgrew it? We outgrew it. And so now we have, you know, our, our about 10,000 square foot facility in SAC and rent another facility up in Lincoln. So it's been this like gigantic growth that has been... I wouldn't want it any other way. And yeah, also one of the most challenging journey. I feel like I'm on a roller coaster, just strapping in, holding on, trying to make the best decision as quick as possible Yeah, on a roller coaster that's just keeps going. Quick pause, friends. This episode is brought to you by the good people at Viore Clothing. I'm obsessed with this brand. I work out in it. I wear it to work. I wear it to church. I wear it on dinner dates with my wife. I paddleboard in it. They just make really durable and versatile and comfortable clothing, and I need that in my life. Their goal was to build men's and women's active wear that didn't look like active wear, and they did that quite well, if I do say so myself. My two personal favorite pieces of theirs are their core shorts and then their Tuvalu tee, which are both so sick and fit super well. And my wife loves their performance joggers and all of their women's workout tanks. Overall, Viore is an investment in your happiness, and for listeners of Life Enchanted, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash enchanted. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash enchanted. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Just go to viore.com slash enchanted and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. When I saw that you guys were at Aubrey Marcus's house, for those who don't know, Aubrey Marcus is a huge player in the wellness game, started a company with Joe Rogan called On It, and they've kind of, they're, they're pioneers in a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. Um, but when I saw you with him, I'm like, oh, it's about to go down. Like the, the ball is going to start rolling. And then, like you said, you're at Ronda Patrick's house, Rich Roll, Tony Hawk, Nigel Houston. Is it Shervin? Shervin? Shervin. Shervin. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That dude's super interesting, by the way. Shervin's great. Yeah. And I see you're at all these houses. I'm like, holy moly, dude, things are taking off. We're, were those because you were i'm assuming gifting all of those people those things you're not gonna make tony hawk pay for one (laughs) totally which is crazy to even say that you're with tony hawk at his house but what did the roi was the return on investment worth it for for giving those away to those people do you think yes because you hit up i mean we didn't even mention a lot of the other like andrew huberman who has like the leading podcast right now and the health and wellness world like you you hit up if i were to generate a list of the 20 people that you should gift one to you hit probably 90 percent of those people and that that was our game plan yeah as we started we built this concept like an entourage effect and we're like how do we so to back up to your question yes i do think it did pay pay off yeah um first we want like any business that i do i want to have fun doing it yeah. So it's like I part of what I love to do that makes me I, I love hanging out with interesting people. Yeah. So this was a really fun way that I started to build a new network of people. And it was like I got to drop in and we hung out with everyone and got to know them. And so a lot of them were like 
referrals from their friend. We'd be at Rich's house and Rich would be like, dude, you should go hit up my buddy, uh, Casey Neistat or like, you know, so we were like there. Yeah. You got Neistat one too, huh? Yeah. So Casey had one and, and so, but the bigger, from the business standpoint, it brought so much credibility to an infant company. Mm. It was, if Rich Roll has this at his house, then I can trust this company to buy, I could buy from this company. Totally. And, you know, we were six months old. We had just, we were moving so quick and yeah. we'd only had at that point a couple hundred units out in the market. And so it's like, you know, as we're growing, it's like how people needed to find trust with us. Yeah. And that's why Mike and I put our faces all over the company. We want to be transparent into yeah. like, yeah. we've built other companies. Um, this is how we do it. And we are, our name is behind this. Like, yeah, you know, it's a big purchase for a lot of people. It's totally 4,500 bucks. It's like $5,000. It's like people are, are you guys going to be around? Is this a company that I could, is this a product I can trust? Yeah. Yeah. And so that did we have specific sales that came from Tony Hawk having a plunge? I, I don't know, Mm -hmm. but I do know it brought so much credibility into any meeting that I've been into any, yeah, uh, we've had a lot of reach out on other people like, wow, we, we noticed Tony Hawk has one of your units. Yeah. So it, it just brought a level of trust much quicker to the marketplace. Yeah. That makes sense. What is, I want to ask you more technical questions about the actual plunge unit. Um, because we've never talked about this. What, what's like the long, the estimated longevity of, or the lifespan of a unit? Do you know? Like how long do you guys think these things will last? There, I mean, there are acrylic tubs yeah. reinforced with fiberglass. They're built to last for years. Yeah. Um, that I don't. Even, there's no real lifetime on it. The, the it's biggest, like a hot tub, basically, right? It's in the same sphere as hot. It's just cold of hot tubs, but it's just cold. Hundred percent. Take care of it. It's gonna last. It's gonna last. The biggest and how we built it and how it was engineered was for if a part went faulty you can switch that part out. Nice. So it's not this whole unit that the in, you know, the whole yeah. engine's out. Now we have to replace the whole thing. That's brilliant. So the vulnerabilities are probably, you know, the chiller lifetime. There is a lifetime on that. Next yeah. number of years, depending on how you maintain it. The, but that's easier to that's, replace. You could replace that. You get the part, you get the piece. That's and so cool. we offer, you know, we have our one year factory warranty that's like fully, and then we have extended additional options for three to five years. Got you. So... That's super cool, dude. And the water temp that it gets down to is... 39. 39? Yeah. Dang, son. I jumped <laughs> in my pool yesterday. It was 55 and was it's freezing, chilly. dog. 55 is cold. Yeah, 39 is crazy. Is that what you keep yours at? No, I'm at like 46. Dang. Uh, it's also one that the water feels colder because it's <laughs> yeah it it's swirling. It has constant jets oh. and constant circulation, so you're yeah. getting almost like a wind chill type dynamic yeah. where it's it's you don't get that insulated heat layer that if you get in a standard ice bath with no water circulation you can kind of totally that warmth around your body that yep. that happens that's real that yes it, it it totally is so this is a just it makes it a little more challenging um it's a good sloped i, I love our unit just for the sake of how the the design is yeah you can actually lay in and start to relax like into it yeah and like breathe into it which mm-hmm. i think is a critical component of like being in that uncomfortable place yeah and yep. connecting with the breath yeah let's let's get into that well first i want to ask you about your practice so how often are you plunging every day every day every and day. is it a morning plunge it's a you- morning plunge for me um that's a consistent morning ritual i, I will not miss that mm-hmm. that is usually a about probably like three minutes yeah you know upward to five minutes on select days but three minutes is 
is my time in there mm-hmm. and it just kind of accelerates my whole morning. Yeah. Wakes me up, gives yep. me that energy. I did the hard thing to start my day. Yes. So yeah. It's all downhill from there. All downhill. Yeah. Do you, do you like roll out of bed and go right in the plunge or you have your coffee first, breakfast first? Like what was that look like? I wake up, breath work, um, do like this cycle of 10 minutes of breath work meditation. And then mm-hmm. I'll go quick little stretch kind of try and get some blood flowing in the yeah. body because it's, it's always a little more challenging when there's no blood flow. Yeah, dude. And then I get right in the plunge. And then from there, I, I'll go shower up and get ready and head up and have my morning drink and get settled in. And that's when I kind of do my best Yeah, my best work. I don't try not to schedule anything before 9 a.m. So it's like that's the time that I do all that stuff. And then mm-hmm. I have like my, what I consider like my... Like my most, it's my most effective window, mm. nine to eleven. So anything yep. that's in that window is like, okay, what what do I have meeting wise or, totally. or conference calls or whatever? Yeah, yeah. What type of breath work are you doing when you wake up? Not prior to the plunge, but just when you wake up. Yeah, just whim. Yeah, I'm just into that. I like. Um, I tend to still be a bit of a mouth breather when I sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try and get right back into my nasal and just really mm-hmm. hammering that home, open up that passageway. And then, um, do you prefer the breath holds? So for those that don't know, Wim Hof breathing is basically like hyper oxygenating your blood. You're basically hyperventilating, doing breathing patterns like, <sighs> so you're filling up your lungs, uh, as much as you can and then releasing just a little bit and kind of doing that over and over again. And after doing that for about 30 to 50 reps or however many you start to feel some different physical sensations, right? And then you do breath holds after that. So do you talk to me about your practice? Are you doing, uh, are you emptying the lungs and doing breath holds, filling the lungs and doing breath holds? How many rounds are you doing? So I take my process is usually around 30 as big breaths as I can take in quick spit out the mouth, just like in the nose, out the mouth. Yep. In the nose, out the mouth. And I do try and hit around 30 is kind Mm -hmm. of the number that I hit. Then the last one, biggest one in. And then I, I do release and then I go into a hold from there. Uh, So empty lungs, empty lungs. Yep. And then go for until, until that natural kick in to take the big breath in, do the 10 second, inhale recovery breath reground in and i usually do three rounds three rounds of that yeah yeah what do you feel like it does for you i it calms my mind Mm. like my mind is pretty as soon as i wake up it's kind of like you know what do i got to do at the thing and this is like a way to just like kind of shuts that out for a moment so mm-hmm. I get back. I follow it up with meditation. So I go straight into meditation after that. Mm-hmm. So I do three rounds and then I just do Vipassana, just focused on breath mm-hmm. uh, meditation. And it just chat, it calms the chatter. Yeah. Like that's the biggest thing that I, I, I recognize. I think in my breath holds and days that I can get them longer, I do feel if I ever wake up with like a scratchy throat or anything, mm. it does feel like an immunity. Like I am building that yeah. immune system. Um, and that's been proven too, right? I'm pretty sure Wim Hof, like they, they injected E. coli into Wim Hof and then he beat it through regulating his body temperature through the breathwork protocol that he prescribes. He absolutely did. And he did, that's he insane, did it dude. and then they called him, he was an anomaly. And then he said, bring me, I believe it was five or 10 individuals and I can teach them how to breathe, do the breathwork. 
and then they injected them and they overcame it as well. That's bananas. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm full blown addicted to the breath work. I've been doing it. What do it, you do? I, this is very similar. It's right when I wake up, like as I'm walking from my bed to the kitchen, I'm walking doing just, just warm up my body. I just, I, I love the physiological response that happens that just kind of gets, it transitions me quicker from sleep to wake being awake. You know what I'm saying? Like it just wakes me up. It changes the physiological state of my body. It changes the chemistry in my body. And I heard actually Aubrey Marcus on a podcast talking about, and I haven't looked into this to verify it, but he I'm sure has, and I trust him. But he said that, that, uh, norepinephrine release, because that's what, that's what occurs with the Wim Hof breath is like, it releases adrenaline, norepinephrine, all these different hormones is that washes away cortisol. Mm -hmm. Apparently, um, those two things can't exist in your blood at the same time or something. So I use that as well. When I feel like my cortisol levels are high, like if I have too much coffee or if I'm stressed out or something, I, I do a round or two or three of Wim Hof so that I can wash that cortisol away. And even if it's, even if that's not the mechanism that occurs, just me thinking it, the placebo effect is super real, dude. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm a different human after I do it. So, but mine's very similar. Um, I'll do that. I won't do like big breath holds as I'm walking around and stuff, but then I'll get to my morning chair and I'll sit there and I'll usually turn on like my, um, my red light, um, and then do some breath work right in front of that. But it's, and then I'll, I'll mix and match with the emptying the lungs and the, uh, to do the breath holds and then filling up the lungs to do the breath holds. What I've noticed is that it's because when you're doing the breath holds, you, you get a weird buzz. You get like a real strong sense of euphoria mm -hmm. and like, optimism and like dizziness <laughs> and like i've almost passed out a couple times but those are different stories those have been one time i was doing it in the sauna don't recommend doing it in the sauna um, but i've found that it's easier to get that like let's just call it a buzz with uh doing the breath holds on the inhale and that I, if I do like, say, 30 quick breaths and then inhale and fill up my lungs and do a breath hold that it's more powerful than if I do 30 breaths and then do it on the exhale, which has been interesting. But um, yeah, dude, super powerful practice and mm -hmm. is like, I mean, literally right under our nose at all times that we could just implement. And I even have my six-year-old doing it this morning dude, wow. in her bed. Yeah, just like, let's just, because she was super sleepy and I, was, I had her sit up and was like, dude, let's just take... Um, let's just take some quick breaths. And she started doing it. She couldn't do it super well, but I asked her afterwards, I was like, you feel different now? And she's like, yeah. And she was like, she like livened up a little bit. And I'm like, rad, you know, and she'll probably never forget that. You know, that's crazy. So do you do that? Like, talk to me about that coupled with your cold plunge. Do you do it right before getting in? I, I do it. I meditate and breathe, mm -hmm. like sit up, set a pillow up on my bed yeah. and do it there. And then I go into the plunge and the plunge is, I don't do like immediate breath work prior. Yeah. Like on the, on my consistent practice, it's more yeah. of get out. I usually walk out of my house naked and I'm there and it's just Dang, like, yeah. All right. Yeah. It's like the, you know, and it's this moment of I always have this 15 seconds of some excuse is going to pop like every yep. morning, every morning there's every something time, that's going to be like, no, Oh, we're going to do it really short today. Yeah. We're just going to go really short today. Yep. We're going to get in just so you said you did it or yeah whatever the thing is. And then as of late, I've been like taking this mantra of like, I'm going to heat the water up. So I go mm. in and like, I am actually going to warm the water. Wow. And 
that has been this like I've been more aggressive with it lately. Yeah. It's just kind yeah. of how it's been. I've been kind of tackling a bit more, and then I yes. usually surrender into it. Mm. But to get into start, I I come in with more of a I like kind that of like ferociousness. With yeah, it. dude. Yeah, attack it a little bit more. I like that. And then in there, what type of when you because breathing is a huge part of getting acclimated to it, and it seems like maximizing the benefits from the cold. What do you do as far as breath when you enter the cold? As of late, it has been, I get in and usually my breath is taken away Mm -hmm. and it's, so I just try and find a consistent like breath (gasps) kind of gets lost Mm -hmm. and just through the nose, (sighs) out the mouth and Mm -hmm. just try and gather into like a four second inhale, just box breathing, four second, go there. I've been doing a little toning, so it's like I'll bring it in like through the nose, like a more of a bigger inhale, not as like controlled, but like, mm. and just trying like that's more of like a check in with my body. Yeah. So I do that, and then I'm breathing there for I go whatever that is five to it's usually about five breaths, which turns into that's like twenty to thirty seconds. Yeah. You know, probably about thirty seconds. Then I like to dunk under the water mm. and I hold my breath under the water for, mm. you know, try and go a few seconds yeah. and just hold there. And then I come out and I always feel the transition from being my fully underwater to coming out. It actually warms me up a lot because mm. the transition back out to the warm air, my yeah. head, it's, you know, your head's one of the most vulnerable spots, head, mm-hmm. hands, and feet yep. are going to be the most intense areas. Yeah. So getting the head under and then the head coming out and hitting a little warmer temperature. Mm-hmm helps me just really calm into it and then it's just uh i'd go body scan yeah i'm just in there the whole time where am i okay my hips i'm a little tight okay can Mm -hmm. i just relax and breathe into my hips Mm. can i my feet where where my ankles tight where my yeah oh my legs are super stiff like can i Mm. stretch them out and just try and relax fully in and then i it varies on the speed of how quick my body can kind of submit to the water mm-hmm. and relax into it. Yeah. But the nervous system at some, cause the whole point is you're triggering the fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. So you want to get in there. It's actually a major stressor to the body, mm-hmm. but it's like a workout for your nervous system is you actually get to override the fight or flight response. Mm. You get to find your breath. You get to calm your whole body down when everything's telling you screaming, we're unsafe, get out of here. Let's yeah. go you know, the stories of I'm going to get hypothermia, all yeah. the things that we've been told. Yeah. And you just find the breath and you, you build, it's like a workout for the nervous system. It's like you broke the nervous system and it's going to come back mm. stronger. Mm. Um, so do that. And then I have kind of my clock of, okay, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm calm. I'm good. I can keep going. Some days yeah. it's like, cool, I'm going to keep this rolling. Mm-hmm. It's just more of this honest check-in of when, my body really like surrendered in. Yeah. And I take a few more breaths. I do another dunk, come out, control my breath. And then I step out. Dude. Yeah. And I'm assuming you have the feeling that I get when you get out of just feeling superhuman and super, you're a completely different human being on the other side. The energy is insane yeah, and dude. it doesn't stop. It's <laughs> uh-huh. like, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, I'm about yeah. nine months in of every morning now, Dang. but it's still like, yeah. This is incredible. <laughs> yes, dude. I know. It, it legitimately is medicine. It's natural medicine. It's insane. Yeah. I I have a pool here, which has been awesome. And I jump in it every single day. And luckily, because we live up in NorCal, man, like nine months of the year, it's really cold. 
And in the last like month, that pool has gotten really freaking cold. And uh, so my routine right now is I hit it usually about, because I usually hit this like mental fatigue, physical fatigue that most people hit around like one or two. So I usually, I get home from work around like 11 or whatever and do my kind of online thing. And then um, I'll work out. And then after my workout, I'll go jump into the pool and just sit there um, and really like control my breath and rest into it. And then after I get out of that, I'm a completely different human, dude. It's a new day. It is a new day and it's a new start. And I'm a completely different Nick than what was before that. And I, I'm super addicted to it. You know, it's a, it's a real thing. It's a nap hack. Yes. It definitely yes. is like that midday. Like you can go take the, I love a 20 minute power nap. Same. You could always just go in there. It's just, you know, you're playing with the neurochemistry. Yeah. Just, yeah. Dude. What do you, how do you turn the knob? I've found too that when I'm in there, when I'm in the cold, because I've also messed around with cold plunges and cryo and stuff, is that on the breath in, because I, I try and really, right when I get in there, I really try and slow my breathing down to just nasal breathing or in the nose, out the mouth at least. And the inhale makes things a lot better. Like I, I just feel warmer because you're bringing in warm air and it's totally like, oh, it's so much easier during the inhale. And then during the exhale, it's just pain, dude. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, when can I get to the next inhale? And then, so but right. after like 10 of those, you're chilling. Yeah. And you just settle in. How long have you been doing it? I've done it. I've been consistently trying to get into the cold. I kind of found it. When I, when I used to coach football like four years ago, I remember like after hot days, I would go up to the American River and jump in because I just, my body craved it. I even went over to like, I text Brodsky, one of our mutual friends, because he has a, a creek in the back of his house and was like, hey, I remember one summer, this was before like cold tubs were even being talked about. I was like, dude, can I come get in your, you know, creek and just went in there and just because I knew it was cold. So I've kind of been intuitively doing it for a while now. Um, but been, have been really intentional about it for the past, like two years. And every morning I take a cold shower, um, in the shower actually right here, because this is the only one that gets really cold, but I'm just like the breath work. It's just like a thing that I do every day just mm. to get my body firing on all cylinders. And it's, it legitimately is like free natural medicine and it has a profound effect on my mind, my energy, my clarity, um, and just transitioning from one state to the next state. Like it, it, it just moves me into a new energy and mental space and everything. So I, I love it, dude. Mm. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about two things that you mentioned that I want to get into one mindfulness. And then the other was the morning drink that you said you weren't specific about it. You <laughs> said morning drink. So let me tell me what your morning drink is. It's not that interesting. All right. It, dang it. It, <laughs> it, it has been just a concoction of coffee for so long. I'm now yeah. November. I'm not drinking coffee. You're not. Yeah. So I, I went through the whole zero caffeine. Um, no, cause I'm taking like NMN and like some other little supplements that have like a small bit of caffeine. I'm drinking matcha. Yeah. So I, I, I'm taking a little bit in, yeah. but just off coffee, I kind of hit that threshold of nice, you know, the constant check-in of like, am I actually benefiting from this or is this totally. controlling me? Yeah. And, that's and, such a real thing. And so, yeah, that was my girlfriend and I, we were off it for the month. Um, yeah. So right now it's matcha, but it's, you know, it's loaded up with ghee and yeah. I'll, I'll, th I'll do a little heavy whipping cream. I put, um, mm. uh, some, usually some mushroom powder yeah. and just blend it all up and it's nice. nice. Yeah, dude. Are you fasting right now? Is that why you're doing ghee? Are you doing like the bulletproof until afternoon? Yeah, or? I do. It's kind of my morning thing. And then I usually have a smoothie like late morning. Um, yeah. 
that's actually not true this week. I have not had a smoothie. It's mm. been more, but I make some sort of like, I don't really have a meal. That is my meal. Yeah. That the is, smoothie is. Yeah. The smoothie or like I'll cook some eggs or something like that. And just kind of like first thing. Yeah. What about your mindfulness practice? What does that look like? So you said it's in the morning, usually about 10 minutes or so, and it's Vipassana. So focusing on the breath. Mm-hmm. Well, talk to me about that. What does it do for you? How, just kind of try to articulate why you do it and how it helps you. It's definitely been different seasons of it into my my commitment to it mm-hmm. and focus on it, you know, different right now it's 10 minutes in the morning and it's more of a thing that I just know I have to do. It's yeah. not, I don't think the depth of it is like vastly improving, right? Or like not improving, but vastly enhancing right now. Mm-hmm. It's just something that's like, I know I have to, it, it maintains me. Yeah. Um, and then I know there's been other seasons of, you know, years where it's like, you know, it's 20 to 30 minutes every morning. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's a different space and I get different things out of it. So where I'm currently at right now is, is 10 minutes in the morning, Mm -hmm. just kind of get through it, calms me. Okay. I know I have to do this. And then I'm kind of back to the grind and back to doing the email, doing the thing. But it's, it's, it's a, it's more right now it's a guardrail. Yeah. Really keeping me flying off. Mm. Um, and you know, have, excited for this chapter to kind of turn at some point with things yeah. to calm down where it's at. And like my co-founder just went on a 10 day Vipassana silent retreat. Wow. So that was, that was a unique moment for the business. So <laughs> yeah. like kind of while we're in it, like, you know, homie's gone, like phone off, like oh no, dude. going through it. So yeah. we had very, very different experiences, but yeah, I would like to get, you know, get a silent retreat in, but right now it's, I can't, can't say it's the most, um, I'm, I'm practicing it extensively mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. yeah those silent retreats are super intriguing and i've never come across anyone or heard anyone talk about a silent retreat that wasn't uh permanently transformative mm-hmm. for their person like it's it's just entering the silence for that long and being forced to sit with your mind is uh i was talking to one dude where he like you know it's eight hours a day and he was we were talking about this before we uh got on here but he's at esalen and was just like two eight hours a day for seven days straight of sitting there and having minimal breaks in between but being alone with your mind really forces you to address some things see some things notice some things become aware of some things manage some things get over some things and um you know on the other side of it it's like you you just see yourself and the world in a completely different way so i'm super interested in that i've had some i've done some like getaway retreats where we've taken days of silence and that so i've been on and it's fascinating how time i'm just so like our perspective on time just translates like i can go Mm. through a day and not even where did the day go yeah and then i've been in those scenarios where it's like five minutes feels like the biggest mountain i've ever climbed yeah (laughs) and just how the mind can grasp and wants to wants to bring awareness to all the different things and is always just trying to think of something or do something. It's mm-hmm. a doer. Yes. And you have to grab, I have, um, I, that's my mind can do that. And so I want to do Yeah. to grapple with being. Yeah, dude, it's hard, man. It's hard. It's such a practice, but it's so important. So you're in the thick of it right now with cold plunge and things are hectic for you. It sounds like talk to us about what's going on man and how you're managing it and navigating through it and making sure that you're doing what you need to do to stay sane. Yeah. So it's been, it's, 
It has been a journey. It's been definitely one of the more challenging, arguably the most challenging experience I've been through, especially from a career standpoint. Um, I think staying sane is like also trying to have fun with it. Mm -hmm. Like I recognize doing this with one of my best friends, um, doing something that totally matters to me. Mm -hmm. Um, The I've really been trying to a lot of like you know it's just as the company grows we're hiring more people and like the organization's growing it's just like really getting connected to like what am i like when i'm in my low self like what am i afraid of mm-hmm. a special thanks been, to like, king's kaleidoscope for the music like, heard really throughout grappling this episode. with also a big like, shout out to capital floats aka my favorite like flirting with disaster and flow like it's like i don't focus on it Northern but i've been actually I'm focused on like there giving some time to always transform around into like okay what happens if this all interested in floating and live in northern Cal. Like, Make you, sure you, you use okay? promo so code Life Enchanted with no this, spaces at checkout on their website. This, uh, They'll save a like whopping part of me that just likes to feel off the discomfort. Yeah. And you will not find that deal actually a healthy practice else. of like as I also, get in super stirred up and anxious over something or in these some big decision. It's like okay, sure what's you the worst outcome that could happen here? Like we're making any sudden diet or lifestyle changes. Let's taste it. You're interested in connecting with me? You can find me on Instagram. This could be or send me an email. Nick. At my okay, life cool. You felt that. That's, that's the worst it could be. Now let's go do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's just been this kind of consistent practice that I've, I've taken on over the last few months of really flirting with just the biggest disaster that can take place. And then, yeah. okay, cool. I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Let's go yeah. in a different direction. You said low self. What's the low self? The self that is controlled by my mind. Mm. Like it, the mind's always there, but like how big of a player is it in the moment? And what I mean by that is anxiety, nervousness, fear, um, judgment, all mm-hmm. the, the things that can kind of show up into, you know, patterns, blind spots that are mm-hmm. just running the show. Yeah. Um, and being a, you know, CEO of the company of like having that of like my emotions impact everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I know like when I'm being that, like that's what's going to reflect into everything that's happening. Mm. Um, so really trying to, Okay, what do I like? How quickly can I get out of this state and be, bring try and bring as much awareness to it as possible? Put some language to it, mm-hmm. and then from there try and come to a spot that's, you know, not falsely optimistic, but just mm-hmm. you know, a relaxed aggressiveness, like just yeah. moving forward and in mm. in that state. Relaxed aggressiveness, I like that. You, before we we started recording we were talking about like labels and judgments and um you know identifying things and self-awareness and all that stuff so how how have you really like cultivated that because i feel like there's a lot of people who are not self-aware in the world and a lot of people who uh would benefit from having some self-awareness and a lot of people who don't even know that that you know that's that's a thing that self-awareness is even a thing and that you know, anxiety and fear and depression and uh, nerves and all these things are just part of normal life. But how, how have you cultivated this ability to kind of separate from it and navigate it? I don't think I'm great at it. Mm. (laughs) Um, And I think it, I mean, for me, it's, it's having the checks and balances in my life. I have a coach that I work with weekly. Like Mm. that's, she's really good at understanding my patterns. I bring a mindset coach. Yeah. She's kind of, yeah, she's mindset coach. Um, you know, it's just what, what's up with my life. 
where am I, where am I showing up frustrated? Where am I showing up annoyed? Where am I showing up in this low self? Look, cool. Let's, let's work like what's there. Yeah. Um, so is she a therapist? No, she's very clearly not. A th- she's, you know, I'm yeah. not your therapist. Yeah. And we don't really do it. We don't really go to like, why did this, ha- why do you yeah. behave this way, Ryan? It's like, mm. cool. Like we can spend years uncovering that or we just choose to transform it. Hmm. And, you know, there, and there's, you know, I know there's levels to it of trauma and working through mm-hmm. different stuff, but she's very much of like, okay, who do you want to be? Let's yeah. work on that. So yeah. that's a big thing that I have in my life once mm-hmm. a week, I, you know, we have our call. Um, so that's, that's a tool. I think, um, you know, psychedelics have been like a huge, like area for me to mm-hmm. keep me grounded in check, really getting into like a place that I can really start to uncover my blind spots mm-hmm. and my areas I'm just not aware of, whether it's myself or like, like, and I realize myself is kind of the, is the world. Mm-hmm. So it's, I just get to see how I'm showing up from this, from this, you know, sometimes it can be judgmental, but a lot of times it's just this beautiful space to have some grace and compassion with myself. Mm. And when I enter my, my blind spots with that, I realize I can transform them. A lot of times, I mean, the big ones, it's hard for me. Yeah. I'll enter in and I'm judging myself or I don't, I'm holding on to them and I have the, Mm -hmm. you know, resentment can be one of those things for me. Um, so it's not, not, this is a constant, (laughs) Yeah, this is a constant thing, but it's, the quicker I can get to like not, not being so hard on myself or whoever I'm transforming that with is like mm. how I can get through that. So to your point, it's like th- those are definitely the two big areas consistently doing challenging things mm-hmm. that tumble me. I yeah. feel like I am constantly in a, um, I try to be constantly in a, like, keep imposter syndrome, like a thing that's present for me. Hmm. So it's like, you know, yeah, I've done it and I want to be doing something that's brand new to me. Yeah. So I have to have this level of almost like humbleness and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whew, like I've never done this before and it keeps me like in check. And I think when I'm not as, um, yeah, when I'm less capable of looking at myself in something, I'm probably a little more stuck in my ways. Yes. Yeah. I feel like growth and learning is a huge part of that. And like, I feel like that's something that's not talked about enough is that putting yourself in situations that suck and that challenge you uh, ultimately means that you have to grow through it. You have to, you know, work your way through it. And you're you're not the same person, even if it's just a tiny percent on the on the other side of it. And I feel like constantly putting yourself in a position where you have to grow and you have to learn and you have to work hard through something is, is super life-giving is super life-giving. And the times that I've struggled are the times where I'm not reading, I'm not working out. I'm not, you know, it's when I'm not growing and not learning. And I feel like that is something that's not addressed enough is that like, there needs to be a focus on learning and within that learning you could have growing and making your body learn to adapt and all that stuff but just like man i feel like too many people aren't learning they're numbing out with substances and video games and all these different things and um you know food and all these different pleasures but that like being able to put yourself in a space where you're forced to learn gives you confidence 
Um, it gives you a sense of accomplishment and rest and, you know, allows you to sleep better at night. Like, man, Mm -hmm. I did the hard thing today. I conquered that, but I feel like that's a common theme. That's like not really explicitly talked about enough. How do you, how, like, cause all the things that you just listed, I feel like there's a natural gravity to go in the other direction. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. life naturally we're creatures of comfort. Yeah. Like we totally just, it's, I'm that way. I, I, naturally want to go into the other direction yeah what are the things that you do to keep going in the things that you talked about that you know are going to help you grow yeah yeah i think it's um knowing that if i stay where i'm where i currently am if i'm not growing that i'm gonna that i'm gonna struggle so most of the the things that i do are to help me be like my my best self mentally and physically so that i can pour into my kids pour into my wife pour into my career all of those things as my best self because if i'm not uh growing and i'm not learning like when i like for instance when i'm when i when i'm not reading nonfiction mostly when i'm not reading books my content production drops significantly um which has been super interesting for me to realize well like oh the more i read the more Instagram content I'm putting out, the more podcast ideas I have, the more, you know, so it's like, there's like this very interesting correlation that the, the, and reading doesn't suck, but I would place it in the category of like embracing things that suck that aren't, you know, but the more that I embrace the suck and do things, the more productive I am, the more life is, is given to me, the more purpose, the more passion, the more influence, the more connection, the more like, uh, senses of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, man, I just keep that at like the forefront of my mind because I, I want that feeling and that complacent feeling and that place of despair and being lost and not being productive has like haunted me in the past. So it's like working through that and, and doing everything I can to not fall into that place is a constant sort source of motivation. Cause I know how I'm going to feel on the other side Mm -hmm. of it. And there's wisdom in that everything that we do or don't do is because of a feeling. Everything that we do, the, the reason we drink water, the reason that we avoid doing this activity, that activity is because we either want a certain feeling or we don't want a certain feeling. So knowing that is that that's super true for me is, is that I, I don't want to feel a certain way. So I know I'm going to do the hard thing now. That Yeah, that's perspective. Yeah, totally. You mentioned psychedelics, dude, and I want to get into that a little bit. Um, I'm sure listeners of the podcast don't hear much about this, but this is an industry and a therapeutic medicine that's taking off right now. John Hopkins has uh, a whole, I don't even know the right terminology, but like branch of the school um, that got a bunch of funding studying, I think, psilocybin or MDMA with uh, cancer patients, near-death patients, and depression treatment resistant depression all this stuff and it's a it's a world that is taking off right now so the first thing i want to ask you is what would you say to someone and this is a deep rabbit hole where we dang we're already at 50 minutes um let's get into this a little bit okay what would you say to someone that has the stance of those are just drug addicts looking to escape the world like those things are evil demonic like people are just wanting to get high like people that miss because i have an understanding of them a little bit but people that 
are ignorant to the power of them mm-hmm. and that see them as just a way to like get high and see rainbows on the walls and like trees grow and stuff like that. Like, how do you respond to that? I think from a, like if I was talking to someone, mm-hmm. I would really get curious into like, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. Like, cause everyone has a reason of why they've built that story. I don't know. Maybe your father did that. Maybe you had a bad experience. Like th- there's, there's layers to that. So I would really first off, like try and understand like what, okay, you, something happened that caused you to think this. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about like, I don't know. I don't know your life. So I, I have compassion totally. for that. Um, I think most people get that narrative from the media and from the world. Yes. So maybe those people, I think it's, and to me that just stems to all of our belief systems. It's yeah. like, you know, we think this country does this because we heard it on the media. And then you go to that country and you're like, this is not what I heard. It's yes. like that to me, psychedelics is in that space as well. It's this distant thing we've heard about that is, um, you know, it, it came from, a, you know, from the 60s and the 70s and what the kind of and then the war on drugs. And there was just a real process to eliminate it into mm-hmm. our, you know, from our psyche and from it was it was bad and the, the laws that were put into place. So there's. So a whole process there, but to a person, I, I'm not here to convince anyone. I don't, it's mm-hmm. not, yeah. it's not important to me. It's, I just share my life and I know what they've done for me. Mm. Into, Talk to us about that. Like, what is it from your experience? What have they done from, for you? I mean, it, they, they're such an entrenched part of my life that I don't know it's tough for me to like pinpoint it on one exact thing, mm-hmm. but it is my space to like the things I've done in this world and the relationships I've cultivated. They are one of the pillars that have allowed me to create a life that I want to live, mm. um, have more compat, be more connected to my parents, um, have more love for my family, um, do have the confidence to go out and seek projects that I think are impactful to the world mm-hmm. um, building company culture that is like i genuinely like care about my employees it's like these these things show up in my journeys that are there and i really get to look at them and where i'm coming up short to the level of like my full acceptance of who i am on this planet and me as a spiritual being and what i am and what we are as humanity like those have been that have all come from my experiences within that and that what i think they're so special is it's so perfected for the individual like Mm. we get to come to peace it's it's not the story that's been told to us it's like we get to go experientially understand what does this mean to me and and from there that like when we actually find peace Mm. and clarity we're incredible creatures Mm -hmm. we're incredible you know humans are are awesome it's the spot where we're divided or we're ju- um, judging or that's the spot where the conflict and the resistance and the suffering takes place so from my experience they've always been not always they they are they're extremely challenging like that's actually the other thing that i yeah really is there for you talk about discomfort and challenge it's like i when i go sit in an ayahuasca ceremony it's like i am terrified prior like mm. every time it's, it's, I'm scared. I, I, I will cry sometimes and it's mm-hmm. like, I don't like I, and I have this and then I go in and it's just like, okay, no, you're gonna do, you're gonna go face the things that you're so afraid to face. It's the Joseph Campbell quote. It's like yeah. the treasures that we seek are in the cave that we, you know, don't want to enter or however it mm-hmm. is. It's like, mm-hmm. that is what psychedelics are. It's like, man, I got to go in the cave. 
Hmm. I gotta go in the cave and I gotta go and I get to go work on these things. And to have that tool, that's it to me is a, a miracle mm, yeah. that they're, they're, they're there. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot to be under understood about them still. I think that's what's so exciting right now is like, we've never really put them in this therapeutic setting. Mm-hmm. They, you know, from the sixties and seventies, it was a, I think the paradigm was, it got lost a bit. It, it got, how do I drop out of reality? Mm. Like it was like, let me separate from reality. And that became the narrative, you know, tune in to drop mm. out and whatever. Now it's like, how do I become a better human to give more to humanity? That is like the intention that MAPS is driving forward with John Hopkins. It's like, these are some of the most integral organizations I've ever witnessed Mm -hmm. into transforming business practices, conscious capitalism, like Mm. really tackling humanity issues that we are, we can't communicate right now. Yeah. Yeah. These are tools. I'm not saying they're the savior. Nothing I think is the, Mm -hmm. in these type of realms is just one antidote that can do it but they can create a level of empathy and understanding. And right now we're so, I mean, I, yeah, it's, yeah. It, I, I just think they, they have given me so much into being able to just empathize with myself mm-hmm. and others that I'm around. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm hearing you correctly, so tell me if I summarize this, but these, some of these psychedelic experiences that you've have, have been able to, give yourself access strip away filters and ways of thinking that have become uh programmed and so habitual that these experiences these psychedelic experiences allow you to see yourself and the world and other people in a way that is completely different than any other way you've been able to see them absolutely yeah absolutely that they they are, I consider them a lot of times the most personalized therapist you could ever be with. Mm. And why do you think people have bad trips? You hear about people having bad trips. Is it because the the filters that are removed are so thick that they're forced to face reality in such a way that they're like, holy moly, look at what I've done with my life. Look at these the pain I've caused in these relationships, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. I think... I think there's a number of things I, I i with the bad trip i don't like people being traumatized from them mm-hmm. but i think the quote-unquote bad trips are always the most beautiful mm-hmm. they're, the, they're going to take us to our most challenging spot and i think why a lot of times it comes out as a bad trip is these are extremely powerful tools mm-hmm. and you know you go in with thinking they're going to be one way and not understanding how to take them set and setting and mm-hmm. right intention and mm-hmm. just, you know, you're like anything you need to know, like just practicality. How much do I take? Like, yeah. where, like safe setting to do this. Like what is, where's my mental state right now? Like yeah. all the things that ingredients that go into the journey. Yeah. And a lot of times those are bypassed or those aren't aware. You're, you yes. know, just common culture. We're not aware to them. And yeah. then we end up confronted with that dark cave and it's, you're not, you didn't bring your sword to go into the cave, you know, yeah, you can't, yeah. it's like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. And that's when it's like, oh my God, I can't look at that yet. Like it might bring some things forward that if you don't come with the intention of I'm here to show up and I'm here to, I'm here to really examine what's here. Mm-hmm. Everyone's capable. Yeah. And it might be, it's going to be challenging and it, it could be beautiful, but sometimes the, if that's not brought forward, it can become a, 
bad trip. Totally. And you just want to get out and then you're done and it actually can create more harm than good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to mention that it seems like the like this this professional world that's actually going into this this industry and these tools, they're very, very adamant about what you said, intention and set and setting. Or mm-hmm. is it set and setting? It's yeah. Set and setting. Yeah. And and making sure that it's not some like just go out into the woods and take a handful of these or drink this cup and see what happens it's very very, there's like there's processes to working up to the experience there's work there's journaling there's mindset you know there's like therapy sessions there's clearing out all the junk there's they're very intentional about like rooms that you're in people that you are with and kind of doing all the work leading up to it so that the actual tool tool when it's implemented can be maximized and, and used correctly as opposed to recklessly. And I could see how if you're using this tool to dissolve all these filters and see your life in a new lens, and it seems like that lens is full of love in a lot of the, from what I've heard people describe it as, um, and then you sit there with a professional who knows who who can guide you in your thoughts and help you is like man you're you're combining CBT cognitive behavioral therapy which has been proven proven to be effective which is like all thought redirection and stuff like that with these powerful tools of psychedelics in this new way of seeing the world that like those two things coupled together create an emotion a feeling a physical sensation a physical energy inside of your body that is so strong and so profound that it is able to wipe out previous memories, previous traumas, previous feelings that have ingrained themselves into the depths of your being, mostly your subconscious, because that's what's stored in your subconscious is feelings. The feeling of when you were, God forbid, sexually molested or whatever, the feeling of that trauma when you were embarrassed or when that person died or whatever, that, those feelings are so intense when those traumas happened, that the only way to get them out of you is to bring in another feeling through thought work in that same realm, in that same space that can push that one out or override that one or be a blanket of snow across that old one as a new, stronger feeling that can then flourish and you can build off of that to influence your reality or the way that you see the world or a past situation that happened. Is that kind of accurate? Yeah. And I think, I think furthermore, it it really, what's powerful is the memories, like a lot of this stuff is being worked on with PTSD. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the power of it isn't that memories dissipate. It's that we actually build the new relationship with the memory. Mm. That's, that works for the individual Hmm. like that provides peace and clarity and acceptance i mean that is the key term here is acceptance of like it happened Mm. you know they're working with a lot of uh veterans Mm -hmm. yes you saw your you saw your friend murdered yeah this happened you it's happened Mm -hmm. it's the feeling and the story that came from there with you know, MDMA has been a big one with this, with phase three, phase three, or they're going into phase three trials. Just the ability to get in and rewire and actually see, like it became such a stored piece of energy yes. that the memory and the experience, like we all have them in unique ways, things that we've bottled up that are probably driving a lot of our show that we don't really remember. Mm-hmm. Or we have some vague memory to it and it's still 
maybe we don't even really think about it, but it's still, yeah, be, it's dictating how we are behaving. Mm-hmm. You finally got to go back in and see that. And it's just, just it's just, it's like an inflamed energetic piece in our body. Yeah. And that turns into downstream actual health impacts and all the stuff there. And you get to go in and just heal that piece of energy and actually, but again, recreate it from our mind to that memory. Mm-hmm. Like the, it's a new relationship to that moment that happened. It's like, Oh, like it happened. And you get to, we get to make the meaning that's accepting for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think that's the, that's actually healing. Mm-hmm. Like it's not of how it, how it's supposed to be or what I think is going to work for you. Yeah. It's no, what works for Nick. Yeah. Nick yep. finds his healing within that process. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that, yeah, it could be 10 years of therapy that you can finally talk through to walk yourself there. Yeah. Or you bring in this outside ally with the therapy. Mm-hmm. And you can accelerate this process. Not every yeah. time. Yeah. But it's a possibility. Yeah, man. As as a Christian, as a believer myself, I'm in this weird spot because I'm uh yeah, I'm in a weird spot because I feel like the psychedelic world and psychedelics in general are just are are labeled as demonic and evil and something not to be messed with. But I see the benefits that it's giving people. I, I hear the narratives that are coming out of these treatments and people being healed and peep and the, the overwhelming consensus from these people is that this feeling of, they experience intense, intense feelings of love and they're connected with a source that's bigger with than themselves. And, but the biggest thing that, that seems to be coming out of these things is, is empathy is empathy for others, empathy for mostly like parents and family members. Um, and there's something there. There's something there. And if you're a Christian or a believer listening to this podcast and think I'm talking blasphemous and this is all blasphemous, I, I encourage you to strip that away and think about it uh, through that lens of, of this love that's being created and that's transforming people for the better. What is that? What is that? How is that demonic? Um, and also looking at it as like, I I mean, the, it, these are, these are plant compounds, you know, that, that are, that are powerful and that like, I I mean, I I don't want to get into the whole drug debate, but I think like, I mean, I could go to the store right now and buy some alcohol that's come that came from plants and just kill myself by drinking, you know, two bottles of it. And there's just this weird stigma around certain things are okay. Certain things are not okay. It's okay to get buzzed and drunk off of this stuff, but it's not okay to have an intense experience that brings me to love my neighbor more with that stuff. Like there's weird stuff going on there and inconsistencies that I can't really wrap my mind around. But so I'd encourage people who are listening to just have an open mind and um, do your own research and form your own opinions and letting, in, instead of letting other people form them for you. Anything to add to that? I think you said that beautifully. Cool, man. Thank you. Well, this has been awesome, dude. We could go on for a long time. I can't believe it's already been an hour and six minutes, but where can people uh, find you online, man? Um, Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably, <laughs> the, it's probably the number one spot. Um, Is it Ryan A. Dewey? Yeah, just okay. Ryan A. Dewey. Um, cold plunge is at the cold plunge yeah at the dot cold plunge for instagram you just type in cold plunge it'll show up um website if you want to check out cold plunge the cold plunge.com mm-hmm. and then yeah if you're local in northern california 
checking out capital floats yes use code life enchanted for uh for uh, a discount folks we get hooked is. up yep sack and auburn um last couple questions that get asked to everyone books recommendations any books that have really moved the needle for you from any genre um I've, I've read this book bonanza king lately it's on like the whole um mine and uh silver boom that took place in uh nevada and it's fascinating to me the language that's being used there and in the crypto world it's <laughs> like they're 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 staking and farming and all the stuff Dude. that's happening in the DeFi world that's been a I'm a big history guy, so I just love history books, yeah. but or just history podcasts and all documentaries. But that's been a cool one as of late. Dude, you brought up crypto. I've been <laughs> going hard down the crypto rabbit hole, man. Just ask my students. The past couple of days, I teach a study hall class, and we've just been doing NFT research and crypto research the past couple of days, and it is it's changing the world. People don't know that Web three and crypto and blockchain is changing the world, and freaking Mark Zuckerberg is trying to capitalize on it and change <laughs> his name to Meta so that they can capture the metaverse, which is supposed to be free and decentralized, and he's trying to centralize it and take over. Bastard! That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, what does a life enchanted mean to you, man? Man, it's like, that's a constant evolution to me. I mean, to me, it's like a genuine, I could just go to the Naval, like, am I happy? Mm. Like, like, and that is a, that doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean it's not challenging. It's actually the opposite. It's like extremely challenging, but like, am I genuinely, like, honestly happy with what is happening in my life? Yeah. Yeah. That's good, dude. Thank you, bro. All right, guys, check out the Cold Plunge on Instagram. Check out their website. Things are legit. Start messing with some Wim Hof breathing. Reach out to Ryan on Instagram. Check out Cap Floats. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. All right, guys, peace.